Hi, this is Steve. And this is Lisa. And this is our podcast called... I Married a History Teacher. From... Sunny Baltimore, Maryland. Sunny and snowy Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. What is our news? If In case this is the first time you listened in a, lo- a while, what is our news, Lisa? I'm still pregnant. Yes. Lisa, I'm going to open this beer loudly because it's foreshadowing for later. Okay? It's also rude to do in front of a pregnant lady. Yeah, so doing a lot of that. We got lots of NA beers for you in the fridge. You want an NA beer? Grab you a St. Pauli huh. girl? I mean, I'm about to say something I don't actually want to share with people, which is I don't want to have too many liquids before bed. Oh. Uh, you know, the pregnant thing. Dude, so. you can say whatever you want now that you're pregnant. Oh, I didn't know that. No one, judges, no one judges pregnant people. <laughs> that I don't think is the case. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah. Lisa, no, stop got... chugging my beer. <laughs> it's for me, not you. It's for the baby. Mm. Anything for the baby. Anything the baby wants, the baby gets. Yeah. Yeah, the baby really wants cheeseburgers these days. Yeah, apparently. Mm-hmm. Lots of cheeseburgers. Mm, tasty. We share that. See, people are judging you right now because you're not supposed to be eating cheese. You can eat cheese. You can't eat certain kinds of cheese. Oh. American cheese is not even cheese, so... It's true. There's probably zero dairy in it. Yep, exactly. That's why I say eat fake food. That's good for babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been reading that a lot. Yeah. I mean, Nestle would agree with you. <laughs> yeah, fuck formula companies. Yeah, well, you shouldn't say that. Fuck the bad ones. Fuck the bad ones, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean... Well, no, sorry, I didn't mean that, like, formula feeding is always bad. But some formula companies are really nasty, and they put some really bad stuff in it, and... Um, actually my, my friend was telling me that in the UK they've like, there was a huge campaign against Nestle because of stuff they were doing in the developing world, pushing their formula. And it was like, it was a disaster. Yeah. Um, well, that's a shitty move. Um, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, well. You know, you're in the developing world. One of the free foods you have is breast milk. Yeah. Let, let it ride. Let it ride. Um, do you want to get to history now? I think we Should we talk steer, more about steer, breast milk? Yeah, we can steer away from the breasts. Okay. Uh, got an episode today that has actually been in the works for a long time, Lisa. I just didn't know how to take it because, like, we're going to be talking about inventions, okay? And, like, we're going to be talking about inventions that are sort of under the radar. Like, they're, I don't know what to call them. I don't think they're underappreciated because one of them in particular is, like, pretty evil or, like, unknown because everyone's probably heard of them or at least two of them maybe not the third one but like so basically what i'm getting at is i want to talk about three inventions undiscussed yeah like it's it's under discussed how important these three inventions are in sort of shaping life so i thought it would be fun rather than like doing a podcast on like ranking the top 10 inventions or whatever uh-huh. and have it be this some three-part thing i've just picked three inventions that i think of a pretty interesting short little history and they have had like these massive impacts on the world, and no one really talks about how big of an impact they are. Okay, until until now. Yes, until now, we are the first to do so. Yeah, um, yeah and I feel like if it goes well, I have another three that I kind of want to talk about that I think would be fun, and, and maybe we'll do another three another time. You know, I love a sequel. Yeah, and then there's also the under the radar inventions, and one of the ones I was going to do was the radar. But I feel like people appreciate radar, you know? We use radar for all sorts of things. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think I understand radar, but I definitely like. Oh well, I wouldn't be explaining radar. I mean, this is a science (laughs) podcast. I don't understand how things work. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Just talk about them, right? Yeah. So, the first underrated, um, or under discussed, whatever you want to call it, invention that I want to talk about is actually um, the printing press. Just kidding. That's a joke. Oh, I was That's like, oh, I don't think you know. <laughs> no, know. no, no. Like in Western Civ, like it's like That's what you think. touted as like, you know, it's the most important invention of all time. Yeah. Right? As someone who, again, as we've discussed many times in this podcast, basically um, tuned out most of history. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. The mm. printing press. Yeah. It's, you're, it's pretty beaten over the head. It is. Um, it's actually something... Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you three names for it. Hmm. Most commonly known one is the Archimedes screw. The most generic name is the water screw. And then the third and most sort of recently dubbed name, because it's way more historically accurate, is something called the Egyptian screw. I think this topic would be more fun, honestly, if it was a shrew. A shrew? The Egyptian shrew? This isn't a biology or zoology podcast. I know, but... I mean, you didn't ask my opinion, but that is mine. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) But maybe, you know, sell me on the screw. Taming of the screw. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So what it does, Lisa, is just a contraption that lifts water up. Like a lock? Kind of, but on a smaller scale. Okay. So I'm going to describe it to you what it looks like. I want you to picture a, a cork, like a wine opener. No, not a cork. What you use to open the cork. So the wine opener. <laughs> the wine opener, yeah. Corkscrew. <laughs> right? When I say wine opener, I mean cork. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I All got right? it. But the the things that spiral around it yeah. are a lot a lot wider, okay? And the contraption itself is going to be a lot bigger, too. Okay. And on top of that, picture there being like a cylinder that goes over the spiral. Okay. Do you have a decent visual here? Am I doing a decent job of painting this picture? I mean, I have a good visual, but I don't know what it really looks like, so I can't say if it's an accurate visual. Yeah, that's but good. I, but it's definitely in my mind. Okay, okay. Yeah. And the way that this water screw works is you put it, you submerge like the top, like, yeah, I don't know, a quarter of it or whatever into water. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's call the Nile River, for example. Okay? Okay. And you turn it, the screw... And as you're turning it, it sort of scoops up water, and then you're continuing to turn the screw, and as you're turning it, you're not turning it in, you're not pushing it into the water. What's happening is it's the water is being forced further and further up, and as you turn it, it's pushing the water up. Is the actual screw thing, the, the corkscrew thing, is it moving? Or is it just, is it, is it moving up or down, or is it just no, moving around? No, it's stationary. Okay. So when you're turning the thing, it's the way that the opening allows water to get into it and continues to displace water upwards. Hmm. Okay? That's quite cool. Yeah, it's an awesome idea. Okay? Yeah. The first usage of it is as old as, I think, around 300 BCE. So we're talking about, the, this is an Egyptian invention. We're going to talk about why they call it the Archimedes a little bit, but... So the Egyptians admitted that, and they started doing it to, um, guess what the Egyptians used it for? Do you have any guesses? Well, assuming it was in the Nile, given your example. Sure. To get water. Out of, for what purpose? 
Well, the Nile is, is fresh water, so irrigation or drinking? Yeah, exactly, irrigation. Okay. All right, so think about how important this thing is. It's because, like, like, if you think about ancient water techniques, I think everybody would think about, like, you know, maybe the water wheel that's used, like, to make bread and shit like that. And then there's, like, the Roman aqueducts and stuff. Mm. And all that stuff is insanely important, don't get me wrong, but everyone's heard of that stuff. Mm. There is a tool that humans invented without electricity or any sort of power could bring water up and out. And that was huge. It was huge for irrigation and developing farms. And if you develop more efficient farms, what happens to your society? It explodes. Yeah, it grows and it grows and it grows, it's right? Like, it's like getting a good grocery store mm-hmm. in a neighborhood. Yeah. Sure, yeah. You put a Whole Foods in a neighborhood and those white people will flock. Mm-hmm. Gentrification bomb. Yes. Boom. There's a whole season of South Park about that, actually. Oh, I love that. What, what yeah. Soda Sopa. Soda Sopa. The development with the Whole Foods. Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, but anyway, this thing was like, wasn't just big for Egypt, so it actually spread to Greece, of course. Um, and then this uh, Greek mathematician is, is, of course, who didn't invent it. Okay, some Africans invented it. But, you know, God forbid in the Western world we give Africa credit for anything. So that's why I got remembered as the Archimedes screw, just because he, like, wrote about it first or Mm. something. You know, the one thing you can't blame white people of is not being consistent. Yeah, yeah, there you go. They've got consistency on their side. Yeah, yeah. Mm but anyway, so it was big in Greece, it was big in Rome. I mean, it's it's big everywhere. I mean, in fact, we're going to talk about how it's still used today. Like, that's how ahead of, ahead of its time something like this is. Mm. Um, it spreads all over Europe. It's going to have particularly huge importance for certain countries that are very, very close to sea level, if not lower. You know any of any low-lying countries in Europe, Lisa? Oh, the Netherlands? Netherlands, yeah. Trivia, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Netherlands is one of three countries called the Benelux countries. Do you know what the other two Benelux countries are? (laughs) Yes. That's a huge term in my work. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we were... The Red Crosses in those countries, or we refer to them as Benelux, they, like, operate together. So, um, Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Yeah, nice. All right, and the root word there is, like, a... it's the lowlands, basically, mm. right? And the lowlands basically allowed or were allowed to exist because of the Archimedes screw, because of the Egyptian screw, because that was like mostly soft peat marshland, mm. and and Dutch people started settling that area, like in or sorry, I shouldn't say settling, but draining that area, like um, as late as like 500 BCE. Mm-hmm. So. By the time the uh, the Egyptian screw got up there, it was like one of the more efficient ways to get the water out and behind dikes, right? Because mm-hmm. you got to get all that water behind dikes. People, if you're an American struggling with this, think like the city of New Orleans, right? You got to get the water behind the levees, mm-hmm. right? So here's this tool all of a sudden that you could get going. You could start very easily lifting water up and over dikes. So you're going to see basically the Netherlands is going to be created almost entirely because of the spread of this this Egyptian water screw. That's really interesting. The Netherlands is fascinating. I mean, their whole system, they produce like the world's experts in in managing water and um, and I I guess hydrology for um, is the best term for it. Um, The study of, I guess, water and earth, I think that is. 
Um, but um, yeah, because of the the challenges of of where they live. I mean, it's like it's crazy what they what they built a, a pretty incredible civilization on. Yeah, the Netherlands. I was actually listening to you know how I love. Uh, Stuff You Should Know podcasts. Yes. I mean, they're, they're the best to ever do it. And I was listening to them today, which actually reminded me of this topic for myself. Um, but they were talking about how I think the Netherlands is currently on like 95% of their power grid comes from hydropower mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, exactly. That's another great example. Like I was like, my, the example I'm giving is just one. I'm like, there's a lot of other things they do with water. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it's quite cool. Yeah. Um, also, crazy stuff from stuff you should know is uh, the United States is actually the third leading producer of hydro-powered water. Or, mm. sorry, hydro-powered electricity. Yeah. We're number three in the entire world. Mm. But guess what percentage of our total electricity that comes out to be? Oh, like 2% or something. Yeah, 6%. Yeah. It's insane how much electricity we produce. Yeah, well... The good news is Bezos quit Amazon, and he's going to spend all his time on his Earth Fund. Yeah. And he'll, he's working towards green renewable energy. Yeah. Which I was telling you, maybe he listened to my podcast when I was ranting about how he needed to give more of his money to things that matter. That is true. And I said, it's okay. You can keep your ego and, you know, just be like, be the guy that saves the world, and that's what he's doing. And that's better than being the guy who makes a lot of money and does nothing with it. Yeah. So I'll take it. Yeah, he listened to you. You're yeah. welcome, everyone, for Lisa and our podcast. <laughs> you owe us at least a couple 30-second commercials for $30. <laughs> nice. Nice little wraparound there. <laughs> uh, a couple of things I want to talk about is that this concept is still... I mean, we obviously have better versions of this now. Like, we have stuff like sump pumps, which you just plug in, drop into water, and spit out a hose. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's your impression of yeah. a sump pump. And this is when they need batteries. Beep, beep, yeah. beep. Yeah. It's very annoying. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, but they're actually, because they don't need electricity and because it's such a simple design, they actually still use them for some things. Um, a lot of water treatment centers around the world still use them because they'll need to, like, raise water up, you know, like six feet or something. Mm-hmm. And what better way to do it than a nice, simple Egyptian screw? Um, that's what I say. Right. Chocolate fountains inside of the no what you're way. looking at that uses that uses an Egyptian. I guarantee screw. you that's not, that's gonna be my mom's favorite use of it. Well, your mom mm-hmm. is a smart lady who loves chocolate, yep. just She's like chocolate her lover. son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I though I do have to say, and I, I hope I don't offend your mother by saying this. I find the concept of chocolate fountains to be pretty gross, at least from like a germs sharing. I mean, she's not like a chocolate fountain fanatic. She just yeah. likes dessert tables and those come with chocolate fountains. Right. I mean, you call me bougie, but I prefer a pre-covered uh, chocolate strawberry to taking a strawberry and putting it under a chocolate fountain where, like, a bunch of little kids' hands have been running all their fingers into and stuff. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you have the money to pay other people to dip your strawberries. So. Yeah, I'm a fancy boy. You are a fancy boy. I'm a fancy you, boy with it. fancy chocolates. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, and then finally, and a, a really big sort of more historical thing, is that the city of Pisa in Italy, mm. uh, they're having water issues. I didn't read too deeply into this, um, but they're having flooding and water issues. Um, and it was sort of like threatening some of the more historical like uh, landscapes, including the Leaning Tower. Mm. And they got a bunch of the water issues, like water out by just using these, you know, 
2,000-year-old invention. Yep. Which is pretty wild stuff because it was so, it wasn't, any, it, it, like, invasive, you know? Hmm. I wonder if they use those in Venice, too. Venice is a disaster with their water stuff. It is, it's yeah. funny because, like, I don't view Amsterdam as, like, much different than Venice in the sense that, like, they're both very, like, low-lying and, you know, prone to flooding if they don't manage their water well. But Amsterdam manages their water so well that it's not an issue. Whereas in Venice, everyone's like, going to be underwater soon. Like, we're pretty screwed. I mean, I guess they're more closer to the ocean. No. They're both close to the ocean. So there's really no reason. In fact, like, the Mediterranean Sea is a little more guarded from the ocean than... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I mean, Venice, definitely, there's definitely more water going through it than... I mean, not all the canals in, in Amsterdam are... Or water, like, and all the streets in Amsterdam are water, but like, right, right, okay. Um, yeah. but still, yeah, it's interesting. Like, they talked about so differently. Uh, yeah, well, we should have. If I knew we were going to go down this path, we could have looked into like who was actually lower. Yeah, I wonder if it's just like Italians not being as good with the water as the Dutch, or if it's actually just lower. Yeah, that's a really good question. Let's find out, Lisa. You keep talking, say something interesting to the guests. Well, the coolest part about Venice is going into Venice, I think. Well, that's not true. I mean, visiting it is really great, too. But taking the train in, um, you know you're in Venice because all of a sudden you're surrounded by water on all sides of the train, which I thought was, like, really incredible. And also their taxi system, or not taxi, metro system, is all boats, which I thought was pretty cool as well. Amsterdam is below sea level. Okay. How much below sea level? I'm... It is situated two meters below sea level. Okay, okay, two meters. And is Venice below sea level? And it just says 3.28. Hmm. I don't know. It doesn't say... That's its elevation. So it seems like it... It is... the eleva- Yeah, so that means the Netherlands is way... Sh- lower. Sh- lower. Because at least Venice is slightly above sea level. Hmm. So the Dutch are really just crushing it right now. Yeah. Way to go, Dutch. All right. Okay. That's my first one. It's just kind of a nice little warm-up. I thought it was kind of sad that this thing was so important for civilization. No one had ever heard of it, and it wasn't even, like, given to the right group of people to name it by. Yeah, I appreciate you enlightening us. Yes. Next one up is barbed wire. And this is largely American history, but it, like, later spreads. But you know barbed wire. Yeah, I know. What do you use barbed wire for? Why is it, well, you know, what's it, What's the purpose of it? To keep out thieves and, and, and bad people. Right, so barbed wire now is you pretty much usually only see it on, like, the tops of fences, right? Quote, yes. unquote, keep out thieves mm. or bad people. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, sure. Um, but it actually changed... America drastically. This tiny little invention that all it is is like metal wiring with little sharp mm-hmm. barbs worked into it. Yeah. Wow. That's a great question, Liz. Mm-hmm. What do you I, think? I think that's what you're here for. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, my mind is going to like the only times I've ever encountered barbed wire, which are in books when people are like, you know, trying to struggle under fences or something and then get cut with them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've got literally nothing. So it's all about going west, Liz. Okay. 
Okay? So, until 1862, the West was wild, Lisa. Until 1862? Yes. Wild, wild wild West. Okay. Yeah, when does it stop? What what is when is it why, like what is the big marker? Like people stop doing shootouts in the street? Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to tell you what made the West the tame West rather than the wild wild West. And it's barbed wire. Here's what happened. I'm puzzled. Okay? So everyone in the West, okay? You know, you're getting out there, you're going on your little wagon trips, you know, maybe you're just out there riding horses, um you know, the Native Americans were out there roaming, giant herds of buffalo out there roaming. Everybody's just roaming. Everybody's chilling. Like, the land is the land. Mm-hmm. There's no laws about where your horses can graze or what rivers you can drink out of. It's just there. It's out there. Or how many inches you need in front of your toilet, which is what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, the man. bathroom renovation. It sounds free, like a freedom to not have to worry about. Yeah, they didn't give a shit yeah. about how much room was around a toilet out west, bro. Yeah, for sure. Um, but in 1862, a piece of legislation was passed, pushed by Abe Lincoln. Do you have any idea what it is? 1862. You're not going to get this. It's this called the in home. the middle of the, no, this is before the Civil War. No, it's actually in the middle of it. It ended in the 65, so yeah. it was going. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's the crazy thing about Lincoln is like, Lincoln wasn't just fighting the war. He was actually kind of running the country still too. It's just largely overshadowed by the war. I mean, I guess he would have to. It's his job. Yeah, and one of the things that got pushed through was something called the Homestead Act. Have you ever heard of the Homestead Act? I have heard of it, but... Uh, That's where it ends? Something to do with uh, land or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think they're going to do with that land? Take it from the Indians? Well, yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. Um, I Oh, do they... Okay. I don't know, but they probably demarcated it with barbed wire. Yeah, so that's you're getting there, right? So basically, I think it was like 160 acres or something. Like if you were someone living around the East Coast and like, or just sort of east the Mississippi-ish, you know, mm. um, you could sign up for the homestead to get a homestead. And the whole thing was that if you packed up your family and moved out west, and by the west at this point, I'm really talking more about the Midwest. Um, you head out west and you head to Kansas or Oklahoma or some shit and you get 160 acres and you're, you turn it into a farm. Okay. So this was him trying to get people to settle the land and mm-hmm. to grow our agriculture up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Was, he, was that like, do you think he was also thinking like we need to be able to create food sources not from slavery? Oh, I think there was a million different things that it was going on. I mean, he wanted to sell the West. It was like how we need to reach our max potential. I mean, it's like, mm. it's almost like pre-manifest destiny. It's like there's all this land out there. Let's go take it and use it. Yeah. Okay? So the problem that they're running into out West, though, is that because what the West was used to was free-roaming everything. Right, mm-hmm. so you go out there and you're in these grasslands, these super fertile lands of like Kansas, and you go out there and you plant your corn to start a corn farm. Mm-hmm. 
Sure enough, all these freaking wild animals, they come up and they munch on all that good corn sprouts and they head on, right? Mm. Maybe you're a cattle driver, a.k.a. a cowboy, right? And that's mm-hmm. what cowboys did. That's what they, it was largely based in Texas. Mm-hmm. And these cowboys would drive like herds of cattle out west for slaughter and eating out west, right? It was a very important job for cowboys, right? So maybe you have your farm in Oklahoma and some cowboy leaves and brings his cattle and they're hungry, so they just chomp up all of your, your crops or whatever. Well, something. They could, they could just do that. They could just eat all their food. Yeah. Because what's, what's going to stop them? Well, I would just go out there and be like, do you think I'm growing this corn for you? It's not for you. Hey, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to say that to the buffalo that are coming trampling through your farm? I mean, is this how they got into shootouts? Well... Yeah, <laughs> that was I mean, part of it. Yeah. I think that's what they did. hundred percent. Right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, and it was just it, like their old tricks back east didn't work. You couldn't just put up a wood fence. You know why you couldn't just put up a wood fence out in the middle of uh, Iowa or something, hmm. or South Dakota? Not enough wood. Yeah, good. God, you're on fire tonight, dude. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, so east of Mississippi, the United States is massive. It's a massive, massive deciduous forest that we have lumber all over the place, trees everywhere out east, right? Grasslands are out in the Midwest, so you couldn't build these fences, right? And then there wasn't enough stone to build a lot of stones. You know, you don't, don't think about any mountains or anything when you think of the Midwest. Yeah, just corn. Yeah, right? <laughs> um and then they try to grow all these shrubs, but the shrubs are growing too slow to keep up with all the, you know, the traffic of the free roamers. Man, it's tough out there. I know, right? So some guy, okay, well, it was actually invented first by a New Yorker, ironically. But oh, you could build a moat. Cows can't. They would, like, get, they'd break their legs in them. <laughs> okay, okay. Just trying to problem solve. So you're going to build a 160-acre moat. Well, they had shovels, didn't they? They didn't have to grow on trees. <laughs> sure. Just saying. Yeah, it's, it's a thought. It's 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 better than nothing. But I mean, obviously, we found something better, I suppose. But it sounds a little violent. Oh, it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So some ironically, some New Yorker invented the first type of barbed wire. Uh, it wasn't super successful. But then another guy, he was actually I think he was actually a Texan. Um, Got super rich. His name was Joseph Gilden, and he invented the efficient way of making. Oh, they a could just line. build a bridge over the moat, though. They could just put a plank down. Can you get over the moat? <laughs> okay, sorry. You're talking about wrapping 160 acres up with a moat. It's impractical. It's fun. We can't even do that. It's we can't. We can't even dig a tunnel from Baltimore to D.C. for an underground train. And it's you're hard. talking about building a 162-acre moat. It doesn't have to be deep. It's just a few feet. Just enough to throw them off their balance. They're not agile cows. <laughs> All right. But again, you could just get a plank. Yeah. And just walk them in. Yeah. That would be a bummer after yeah. all that digging. <laughs> yeah, that would be sad. Yeah, it would be sad. Um, uh, okay, sorry. It's all right. Hey, I'm not mad at you. Um, so, once... Okay. Oh, by the way, this is kind of fucked up, but they used to market it. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, look what happens if you try to march a Texas Longhorn through barbed wire. And they would show, like, the Longhorns would either be too afraid to proceed because they'd get cut up, or they would get stuck in them and not be able to proceed and basically die. 
Yeah. Right. And that was used to market them. And it was wildly successful. Like every freaking farmer with a homestead bought this stuff, this, this barbed wire and lined their houses with, or in their farms with this stuff to the point mm. where the open range West, mm. it like wasn't the West anymore. It wasn't open anymore. It was private plots of land that had been violently protected with barbs. And there wasn't any, like, bolt cutters back then or anything, right? No, there was, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, so just to just give you some generic um, effects of this, right? Uh, it was horrible for traveling herds of animals. Buffalo are always getting stuck in it Aww. and stuff like that. Other, like, animals that travel really far. Aww. Yeah, so basically messed with all, it's like, you know, the modern day gas line. It's like it messed with all these natural patterns of, of migration. Yeah. Um, it put cowboys completely out of business because cattle became these domestic cattle that stayed in one spot. So you, oh, we learned about this too. It's yeah. real, so there's kind of like, I think a lot of people know that like cows are associated with climate change and being very bad for the environment, but apparently if you have roaming cattle, it's actually good for the environment because um, I think they help with uh, like biodiversity, right? Yeah, and all sorts of things. Like cow poop's really good to spread around, but if you have too much cow poop, then it it becomes bad. Yeah. 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 So, sad. so you see the creation of sort of like the stationary cattle industry, essentially. Um, and then injecting them with hormones and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of our health problems. And yeah. You ugh. see a, a rise in sort of violence, which is what you were getting at. There was people that called fence cutters. They were like hired gangs by like the small town cowboys with like hired gangs to go cut through barbed wire at night. And then they would run their herds through people's, you know, land. And then, like, obviously farmers protecting their stuff, like, went out there with guns, and they'd get into shootouts over this stuff. The U.S. government had to make what they called fence-cutting a felony um, because of how many issues it was causing. Um, They, of course, ruined the natural lives of Native Americans and their sort of way of life being out there, um, uh, yeah. Uh, the Native Americans called it the Devil's Rope. It is the Devil's Rope. Yeah, it's a pretty. Sh- it had a pretty shitty impact. Yeah. Um, and then what's probably even worse is that it led to a very popular like tattoo for meatheads, <laughs> um, and the creation of a film called Barb Wire, starring Pamela Anderson. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, I guess that makes sense. Uh huh. Um, ridiculous film. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah, no, sorry. I don't know why I said I guess that makes sense for I had a weird brain fart. Yeah. Um She's not a great actress. No, I know who we're dealing with here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's not. Um she has other assets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and it basically in a, in a to a large extent ended the entire concept of the wild wild west. Everything sort of slowly became about private land ownership and boring. Yeah, it just like started to be like a lot more stationary mm-hmm. rather than all the action and adventure and movement and you know go to this mine, get all the gold, go to another mine. You know, it's all you know, it all becomes more stationary. As I said, more tame, more stationary. 
Harness. Yeah, and just to bring it around. <laughs> it's funny when you don't hear me say yeah. yeah, and I'm like, that's an interesting one to be like, yeah, yeah. Should listen. Do you want to sing Pocahontas songs? I, I, uh, not really. But give me a, give me a blue corn mill. Well, no, <laughs> no. I, I'm just trying to remember the exact line. Is it that you think land is something you can own? I think so. Land, yeah. I don't know, but anyways. It was better back then. There's a really amazing quote about from a Native American who was like, how do you own land? Owning land is like owning the sky. It's like owning the waters. It's like owning the stars. Mm. And now you can literally buy stars. I was going to say, <laughs> like, you just gave them ideas. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> They're like, oh, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, just to bring it, we're I'm about wrapping up, but just to bring it around to another negative impact it had from an international level is that barbed wire actually became a very big part of... Uh, war um mm. because it was super cheap it's super light and you know you could have a bunch of people especially during world war one right when we were talking about trench warfare yeah. you have to run through this trench and it caught it would catch up all these soldiers in one spot and then they become these really easy bombing targets so barbed wire or the devil's rope also led to just like drastically increased deaths and in, in the industrialized wars that is like a really good indication of like how barbaric war is in the sense that like you were treating humans like animals like i mean literally yeah yeah like i mean that's how we controlled cows and buffalo and that's what you did to humans i mean not that any of it is right but it's just gross yeah it's sad it was one of the many many ways we killed all the buffalo yeah god the stats on buffalo is just crazy it's awful Yeah, well, thumbs down on barbed wire. Yeah, yeah, but you can't argue it's not impactful. Yep, and under-discussed in its impact. Yep. So the last one, I saved the best for last. Okay. Are you ready for this, Lisa? Yep. You want to take a guess on what it is? I I alluded to it earlier. That we can't, that they've not heard of a lot. Oh, you alluded to it. I don't know. Got a little something in my hand. Oh, right, right. Very recently, um, yeah, a beer, a can, an aluminum can. It's beer. So beer is. Yeah, beer. man. You think beer is under discussed in this country? No, I think it's under discussed for how important it was for the development of modern society. Beer okay. itself is discussed constantly because it's the greatest thing in the world. Don't you say that in front of our baby? <laughs> um. But it also had this, like, insanely intense impact on the development of civilization. And that's what we're going to get at, get into as a, a, a final, final story of the day. I think I might know this. Maybe I'm wrong. I've discussed it a little bit with you, and I might have even alluded to it a couple times in a couple episodes. Well, and I've learned this on, separately. I mean, I, I think you're, can I guess or do you want to go? No, go ahead. I love when you guess. Well, that it was it was a safer way to drink water. Yes, that was a big part of it. Yeah, um, a big part of it is because of the fermentation process. It would clean the water, and if you drank low level, um, low alcohol beer, mm-hmm. and you've been working all day, it mm-hmm. hydrates you very similarly to water, if not even more efficiently, because it's like replacing some electrolytes in some situations. Yeah, but then there's what your body does when it when 
it naturally dehydrates you when you're drinking alcohol. So, I mean. No, yes, but. I, uh, but no, I was just like, like reading. Really I was reading about it. It's like literally if you have like a two and a half to two percent beer. Uh, like really low. It's okay. like actually good for you in terms of rehydrating. Everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. Um, cool. Yeah, so that was a big part of it. Um, do you have any other guesses on how yes. it might have Yeah, okay. Uh, that it encouraged people to not be nomads. Yeah. Yeah, because you want a bar, right? You want a bar? Well, you want a drink. You, you want yeah. like a, 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 a <laughs> yeah. pre-bar, but like before bars were a thing, whatever people did to kind of yeah. drink. Right, and there's actually, it was a thing. It was fires at night. And right. like you were drinking around a fire. Mm. But can you make beer real quick? No, not usually. No, it takes a while to brew. Mm-hmm. So it's not a not usually thing. I don't it's know like why it, I said that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> those, those rare fast brews. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, brew t- beer is called brew, you know, nicknamed brew. Right? It takes a long time to make. So you had to be stationary to drink it. And if you wanted to get the utter incredible euphoria that you get from alcohol, you had to wait around. So like, you know, some dude's brewing beer and you're a nomad and the nomad's like, all right, I'm going to go follow those elk. You know, he's like, all right, well, you can go hunt those elk. I'm going to stay here and wait for this beer to be done. And you're like, damn it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right? <laughs> so. Hope we don't starve. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just to go back and give some more quick details. I mean, we covered the important part. But, like, people have been using alcohol to, to change their state of mind um, pretty much since there's been humans. And because of fermentation, which occurs naturally, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you're, even when you're a hunter and gatherer, if you stumble upon the right fruit at the right time that's in the right amount of shade or whatever, you, mm-hmm. you know, you eat the apple or whatever and it's been fermented, then you get a little drunk, right? Yeah. I, it's funny because you'd think the people that discovered alcohol, I don't think they had, like, a great sense of self-preservation because it's, like, it's probably smelled funny and, like, it was a little off. And then there was the people that, in every civilization that were, like, you know, I'm going to try it. Yeah. I'm going to see yeah. what happens, yeah. you know? And the, <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, you know, thank God for all those people. <laughs> I, I, that, you know, thank you for teaching us thank what's you for your poisonous bravery. and what's not. Um, of course, the Chinese were actually the first people that started um, intentionally sort of fermenting things. This is before the Neolithic Revolution, before we had agriculture. Well, like some various Chinese groups, they they use fruits. It's, uh, Alexa, turn off, please. Our Alexa just started talking to us about China. Yeah. This is really long. Alexa, shut up! Okay. God, so rude. Alexa Everett. And we just gave freaking Jeff Bozos a free commercial. <laughs> he owes us. Jeff Bezos owes us 30 bucks. It's a negative. It's an anti-commercial. Yeah. This is what can happen if you own an Alexa. It'll ruin your podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't do it. Um, but yeah, so they would like ferment little fruits and you would have um, 
you know, alcohol to drink or whatever. But the, the beer as we know it was started to brew in Mesopotamia, um, which is, you know, Iraq, um, around like 700 BCE. Or like, sorry, I'm getting my inventions confused. It was almost like right after agriculture was became a thing. Like as late as like 10,000 BCE is when they thought that like brewing with the cereals, like barley and hops, mm. was started. Wow. And now here, Lisa, is the big thing that I want to, my big reveal of the night that I, I, I think is completely wild, right? Okay. So until about 1950, the common understanding of how alcohol how we started brewing beer was that we would store up cereals for making breads and and, you know that sort of thing baking okay and then somewhere along the way it rained and and the the grains and the barley it fermented in the water and people were like oh my god beer this is great Mm -hmm. now this was first proposed in 1950 and the more and more evidence keeps showing that it actually wasn't the case that humans literally started storing the cereals to make beer for brewing. And then someone stumbled upon the bread-making process after they had been storing it literally for beer. So it's almost as if beer led to the discovery of bread, which led to the discovery of basically being able to remain stationary. It all comes from how delicious beer is. Yeah, well, you, you know, they needed something to soak up all that alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that's some right. Bread. That's right. Exactly. First came beer, then came bread. Mm-hmm. And we kind of touched on this, but, like, uh, there was an actual real social element to it, too. Like, you know, like, back in college, like, we always joked in my frat that beers were liquid courage, right? Mm. And you drink a couple beers before you go talk to the ladies, you know? Mm-hmm. That was also... Uh, it's starting to show up more and more that that was a real thing. It was like people would drink, like drink and they'd start conversating. And then like a big part of it was like uh, hunters and gatherers were actually highly structural in their societies. Mm-hmm. There'd be like your alpha males and then they're like the lesser males. And then there'd be like women. And there wasn't a lot of interaction until, well, people started drinking beers. And then the alpha males all relaxed. And then then the the lesser males felt more comfortable around them. And they sort of all became friends. And, like, it literally becomes more of a conversational society that led to, like, more of, like, a let's have art and shit. And, like, let's get creative with these houses that we can build. And and so they're more, like, permanent and strong and sturdy. And we can stay here a while. And have these festivals and stuff where we'll eat a bunch of the food and drink a bunch of this magical, magical potion. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, I mean, if I can't see why it wouldn't affect people back then the same way it affects people now. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it was big. I mean, it was huge in Egypt. The Egyptians apparently loved beer. And what was one of the more advanced ancient societies? By God, it was Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, let me think. Am I missing any here, that thing here that I wanted to talk about? Um, no. But yeah, that's kind of led to people being stationary was the, the sort of obsession with beer and, the, and, and the, the social aspects of it. And then the last date I want to throw at you. 1722. Um, the greatest human ever is going to do something very important in England. Isaac Newton? 
close. He was English, but his name was Ralph Harwood. But I thought you thought Isaac Newton was the greatest human ever. I did until I started researching this person. <laughs> and now he's the number one and Isaac Newton's mm. number two. You are a Brit fanboy. Yeah, apparently. Mm. Do you know what Ralph Harwood invented? It's obviously something to do with beer. It is. Um, carting your face off? No, he <laughs> didn't invent that. <laughs> you did. I invented that. <laughs> he invented the porter. Oh, I should have known that. Yeah, so he invented the first dark beer, the mm. first black beer, and Jesus then... Babe. Everyone was always happier ever since because uh-huh. it's the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Winters weren't so dark, yeah. except for your beers. Winters were only dark in our in our glasses. In yeah, our glasses. Yeah, but in our hearts and souls, clear as day. White light. White light shining through. <laughs> yeah. mm. that's right, Lise. That's it. That's three inventions in forty-five minutes, fifteen minutes each. Boom, boom. Boom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, porters make, make math a little bit tougher. <laughs> Basic arithmetic. It's definitely either two or three boobs. I'm just not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was lovely. Thank you, Stevie. Yes. By the way, shout out to Monument City Brewing here in Baltimore. Their American Brown Ale is what I've been in, uh, enjoying while talking about beer. And I'm not like a giant fan of Monument City Brewing, it's solid. Hmm. But this American Brown is, is quite tasty. Yeah. It's my, favorite, it's my favorite monument. There you go, monument. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, mm-hmm. do you think it's too late in the game to ask what our favorites from 2020 were? There's no rules in, in a pandemic. Yeah. All right. So what were some of your favorites from 2020? Shows, albums, movies, anything like that? Uh, Nilla for Yanya. Yanyan. Damn it! Did we hire did this? I did this already. Well, the album that we listened to the most it's was the 20. 2019. Oh, but it was my 2020. Sure. Okay. Oh, yeah, Miss Universe, great album. Still my 2020. What else? Um, these are the kind of questions I need time to reflect upon. I don't. These Can, should I do one? Sure. And then it'll give you time to think. Then I won't be able to listen to you. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna say anything that's gonna surprise you. Okay. I was late to the game with both of these albums. They're both 2020 albums. It was Set My Heart on Fire Immediately by Perfume Genius. Mm, Incredible is. album. Um, and then uh, St. Cloud by Waxahachie is also a 2020 album that I really enjoyed. Uh, Birmingham Artists. Um, shocking. Waxahachie. Mm. Uh, movies. Bad year for movies. I think mostly because they didn't release a lot of them. I feel like there was a couple that I liked, though. I think there was a couple, but, like, remember I was obsessed with the 2019 movies? No, it just I know. wasn't you anywhere. shut up. Yeah, right. I know. It wasn't anywhere close to it. Seabird. <laughs> Wait, was that a 2020 movie? No, that was, that was December 2019. Mm. Never mess with a seabird. <laughs> um, this is embarrassing. I don't know. I mean, I... I mean, I listened a lot to Taylor Swift. I'm not going to lie. Everyone listened to Folklore. You yeah. don't have to be embarrassed about that. Folklore was a great album. Yeah. I mean, it was probably in my top five albums. Top ten favorite <laughs> albums. 20. 20. Um, yeah. It's great to cook to that album. 
I enjoyed that immensely. Yeah. For I sure. also really like Set My Heart on Fire immediately. I think that album is incredible. Yeah, I like how genre mixed it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like there were some shows I liked on Netflix, but nothing like really. Literally, the only thing I could think of is the Tiger King. Ugh. And it's just like, ugh, I, I don't even. I know that it's not in my top ten. Oh, I know. I think um, the second season of uh, of um, Pen Fifteen came out in twenty twenty. Yeah, Pen Fifteen is show. awesome. If you people out there haven't watched Pen Fifteen yet, you should check it out. Yeah, two it's adult amazing. female comedians play uh, middle schoolers, and then all of their co stars are actual like middle school age children. Um, they do such a good job. Yeah. Um, season four of Fargo was good. It, it it was definitely the worst season of Fargo, but I really liked that show. So it was uh, by far the worst season of Fargo. Yeah, but it grew on me. Um, yeah, I mean it wasn't bad, but the other ones were just really, really, really good. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, even mm-hmm. HBO, like the only one we really saw. I liked Expecting Amy. Expecting the, the Amy. Do- the, yeah, it was Amy Schumer's documentary on pregnancy. That was like. That was actually really... It was very real. Yeah, very real. Yeah, watching her try to to do a million comedy tours while she was violently ill for nine months straight. Ugh. Yeah. So grateful that that was not my experience. Mm-hmm. All right, we just got hit with some pretty serious technical difficulties, so we're going to get the hell out of here. Yeah, we made it through, though. Yeah. We almost lost this whole podcast. Almost lost the whole friggin' thing. So when you're sitting at the end of this thinking, wow, what a great 49 minutes I've just spent. Yeah. You can you can thank the weird Mac gods that somehow saved this podcast from True. my computer crash. True. Well, let's get out of here before it crashes again, and we'll have Nilifer play us out, huh? Perfect. All right, my name is Steve, and I was a history teacher. My name is Lisa, and I'm Mary.